There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Before we get started with this episode of Bench with Bubba, I wanted to talk to you about Superdraft, a fun new way to play daily fantasy sports. It's not like the other places. You play who you want. There are no prices to pick. It's all a multiplier point system. It's a tons of fun. The bigger the risk, the bigger the multiplier, the bigger points you can gain. Otherwise, just take the chalk and enjoy. It's a ton of fun. They have baseball. They have football. They have golf and coming soon, basketball and hockey. Tons of great stuff over there. Come try it out right now. When you create an account, use promo code Bubba to get you in there. When you make your first deposit, you get a free $10 deposit bonus. So go to Superdraft in your app store. Use promo code Bubba to get you set up. Get a free $10 deposit bonus when you get rocking and rolling. Also, if you go rating and review on iTunes, we'd really appreciate it over here at Bench with Bubba. It'd help us move up the fantasy sports rankings as things continue to grow. Alrighty then, welcome to the Bench with Bubba episode 213, your fantasy football week three recap and we look ahead to week four with Mike Alexander of Fantasy Alarm and Razball. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bench with Bubba, episode 213. Going to recap your week three fantasy football action with a little look look ahead to week four as we break it all down. In order to do so, joined by a special guest of the podcast. He's been on a few times on Bench with Bubba. You can find him on Twitter at Roto underscore Juan. Mike Alexander. Mike, how we doing, man? Doing pretty good, Bubba. Just uh, treading water in NFL and hoping to turn it around in week four. Yep, yep. It's a, it's a weird, it's a weird system out there. It's a, like I tell everybody that's played in leagues with me or whatever. If you had a great year, you probably didn't have injuries. So if you had injuries, <laughs> it's just that's just football. You can't predict that stuff. It's wild out there, and it changes from week to week. So like you said, yeah, treading water and trying to. I had this conversation with someone else yesterday. Our job as analysts are to try and set people up in the best scenarios possible. There's no way we can predict how that scenario is actually going to take place. So, yeah. whatever happens, happens. And on a weekly basis, it gets wild. 
before we break down last week's action, why don't you let everybody know what you got working on? I know you're a busy, busy man. Yeah, so you can find my NFL work in two places at Fantasy Alarm. I do a RB workload breakdown every week on Wednesdays. And then uh, over at Razzball, I do a little uh, fun piece called Propagedon. I do, you know, 10 or so props uh, to kind of mix in storylines of the week. You know, not a straightforward, will this receiver go over 100 yards? It's more like, you know, uh, a, a one from last week uh, that I liked was, will Josh Allen uh, have more rushing touchdowns or passing touchdowns? Things like that that are a little bit out of the box. Yeah, no, that's a lot of fun. It's been fun getting in on it, and he does it for um, analysts and non-analysts, and we kind of compete against each other. Two weeks ago, I missed it by one. This last week, I only got one correct. So it's uh, <laughs> fun stuff when I get that email every week to find out. I don't remember what I put in, and then I see the email. And I was like, oh, awesome. Yep. Good stuff. <laughs> if it makes you feel any better, I'm, I'm usually at 50% on my own questions or worse. <laughs> <laughs> so. That just goes to show you how crazy it is out there. It's wild. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a lot of fun. So everybody go check out all that stuff with Mike as he's always a great guest and a great guy that uh, covers a lot of awesome stuff out there. So go check him out. Uh, let's get into it. We'll go kind of game by game, hit the important stuff. Some games obviously not as important as others. But we'll start on that wonderful Thursday night game, Titans-Jags. Jags won 20-7. We saw the Gardner, Gardner Minshew kind of really came out party, looked really looked usable, looked good in the NFL. He only threw for 204, two touchdowns. Are you believe, believing that this is the guy that we can use on a week-to-week basis in fantasy football? Uh, outside of Superflex, I'm, I'm going to wait a little longer before diving in with both feet. You know, I, I, I'm all for the the, the fun storyline and and the you know uh, the, the outfit he wore on the plane. He's a fun dude, uh, and I love all that. As far as starting him in your standard leagues, uh, you're probably not going to reach that far. Um, Chris Harris made a really nice point breaking that game down. Uh, they they really limited his his downfield throws to the borders, and he had some nice throws. You know, the touchdown uh, to to Shark was a really nice throw on the border, uh, but those are hard to hit. They're, they're they're hard throws to to connect on, and if they continue to do that because they are a conservative team, uh, his his upside is capped. He's not going to be able to score two three touchdowns on on fades every single week. Um, you know, especially given uh, some some harder competition coming down the road here. Yeah, no doubt about it. He's fun to watch. You love the swag. It, it's awesome. And, and the stories that keep coming out, I heard him before the game. I've heard more after the game. The dude is just wild. He's awesome. Yeah. Um, I love everything about him. Like, I want to hang out with him. But when it comes to um, fantasy-wise, it's tough to back a guy that it looks like they don't want to let the reins off of. And that's like, you like said, do I think he can control. go into Denver and beat the Broncos? Absolutely. Like, yes. Well, cause that's, like that, that's more, that is that more, on, that's like that they, more on the he Broncos? He can absolutely though? go into Denver, beat the is Broncos. That, is that more because the Broncos are bad? Yeah. I mean, partially because the Broncos are bad, but uh, it's not going to be, you know, a, a 350 for three. It, it's going to yeah. be, a, you know, a, a 225 for one or two, you know, maybe one rushing, one uh, uh, passing kind of kind of an affair where, it, you know, he just kind of takes over late in the game, something like that, or, or has a key drive. And, you know, that's when it clicks because he almost did that against the Texans. You know, he, he had that late drive and, you know, a failed two point conversion was the only thing that, that kept them from tying or winning the game. True, true. Uh, last question on the on this game. You mentioned uh, DJ Shark. He's had a connection with him in both games so far. 
He had four, uh, five targets, four catches this last week. D.D. Westbrook still had nine targets and five catches. Do you think even with them trying to kind of keep him under wraps, Minshew that is, that these two guys can still have some relevance? Because I know people liked them coming into the season with, with, uh, with Nick Foles back there, but obviously things have changed. Yeah, just in deep leagues for me, that, that you know, with Marquise Lee coming back into that rotation, you, nobody's playing over 80% of the snaps, and that's just kind of a killer. You know, Shark was only at 70% of the snaps, and, you know, they're, they're giving him targets, but it, it's just if you don't play 90-plus percent, it, it's hard to, tr- to trust you unless it's something like a slot role that, that is a favorite kind of uh, a quarterback pet favorite. Yeah, no doubt about it. Let's go Raiders at the Vikings. Vikings win 34-14, to 14, pretty dominating fashion. One thing that really stood out for the Raiders, though, is Waller just beasted out yet again at the mm-hmm. tight end position. He had 13 catches on 14 targets, and he has 26 catches on the year. He's clearly the number one for Derek Carr, it feels like. <laughs> where, do, where do you think he's you rank him in, in the tight end landscape going forward the rest of the year? Because there's still a lot of really good tight ends. I compared it last week where – each week there's more like pretty quality tight ends that come out. It feels like catchers in baseball, like all of them can hit all of a sudden tight ends are being productive. Where do you, where do you kind of rank out Darren Waller the rest of the way? Yeah. Tight ends, not as gross as it, as it was supposed to be. Uh, it was thanks to guys like him, Delaney Walker kind of uh, coming back from that injury a little earlier than expected. Um, so there's options out there. Um, but yeah, I, I like him, you know, somewhere like top six, uh, depending on the, the matchup. Um, you know, a lot of it, the Raiders aren't going to be good if they're on the road. You know, they're, they're not going to be great at home either, but on the road, they're just, they're going to be awful. Uh, their defense isn't going to be, they'll stay in the game. And that means they're going to be calling a lot of passing plays. Uh, and Derek Carr, we saw it last year. He just, he doesn't want to push it downfield and, and, and take chances. He doesn't have a great receiving core getting open either. And, you know, Jarrett Cook was, a stud so many games last year because it was just, all right, check down to the tight end, check down to the tight end and volume got him there. And, you know, Waller is, is a, a similarly good athlete, big target. Uh, he's built a rapport with Carr through training camp. Gruden likes him. So that should continue. Uh, the overall offense kind of caps his upside. Um, you know, if, if, if that offensive line starts giving up more pressure anything like that, um, he may not be able to sustain the same level of success, but I think most weeks he's a good bet for five catches and, you know, a good chunk of yards. The touchdowns haven't quite been there yet, but um, that may continue given that the Raiders are going to struggle to score if they're not at home and, and running the ball with Josh Jacobs. Yeah. That, how much do you buy into the, uh, the coach speak saying they want to get Josh Jacobs more involved in the passing game? Because since week one, since they where they were winning the game, the last two weeks they've been playing from behind. We haven't seen much Jacobs. Uh, Jalen Richards getting a ton of use back there. Do you buy in that Jacobs will become fantasy relevant again? Because right now he's not. Well, uh, you know, once he shakes off the, I think he had a some kind of virus or something. Um, once he shakes this off, I I think he'll be back to relevance. And that throwing to the running back is a staple of John Gruden's offense. Um, you know, uh, some of his old offenses really featured that heavily in a time that it wasn't quite. Uh, featured yet at the level we're seeing now. So, uh, and Jacobs can do it. Um, my only concern on Jacobs is 
as a rookie, can he shoulder this full load? You know, we saw week one, they came out and they rode him hard. Uh, and now weeks two and three, he's, he's been a little nicked up um, outside of whatever cold he has or whatever's going on. So that's something to keep an eye on with Jacobs. If, if he can stay healthy, sure. They're going to give him all he can handle. Okay. Last question on this game, the Vikings, they were in pure domination. Dalvin Cook did everything yep. people thought he would do in this game, just dominated it. But the concern, and we've seen it all year so far, is they're not throwing the ball. Feeling only five targets. Cook, um, Diggs only three targets. They really haven't had a big game yet, where last year they were getting double-digit targets every game. What's your level of concern with this passing game that people drafted guys very highly in? Yeah, it's, it's a it's a very high level of concern. You're you're looking at the the least passing the least amount of passing attempts uh, that we've seen to start a season in a long, long time. And they're winning. <laughs> so, you know, until somebody forces them into a game uh, and, and forces them into enough of a negative game script, they're not going to do it because they, they want to run the ball. They fired a very good offensive coordinator last year in John Filippo because he didn't run the ball enough. And, you know, they, they were losing. That, that was more to blame the defense and the offensive line. In my opinion, it wasn't John Filippo. Nevertheless, they said this is not our identity gave him his walking papers. So that speaks volumes about what they want. They want to run the ball more than they, they pass the ball if possible, which is crazy in this day and age. Um, and it's happening. So, uh, you know, Dalvin cook is going to get all he can handle. Alexander Madison is probably the top priority handcuff because he scored a really nice touchdown and people are, are going to take notice of him. Um, if you don't uh, grab him soon, you may miss the boat. Yep. I'm with you there. Madison is a beast. Let's go to Bengals at Bills. Bills 21-17, and they are 3-0 and on the season. They've looked good. Like, yeah. I don't know, I don't, like, they've looked good. It's just it's weird seeing the Bills. Obviously, they're going to play New England this week. Things might Big change test. a little. But uh, you never know. They, they look better where it might be at least more competitive than people are giving the Bills credit for. And a lot of that has to go to Josh Allen, who just continues to develop into this very, very competent quarterback, very good fantasy-relevant quarterback, What's yeah. your thoughts on just what Josh Allen's doing and like kind of like what we can think going forward? Because I just I do I do DFS shows and, and DraftKings never respects him and keeps him cheap every week. What's yep. your thoughts on Allen though going forward? Because he's doing it with the with the legs and the arm. Yeah, I mean the the you know the Konami code route is is what he's all about. He's going to get you rushing yards. Uh, they've got a um, a QB sweep that they love to call down at the goal line. Uh, I think he scored two touchdowns on it so far this season and that can't happen every week, but um, you know, he's, he's right up there with, with probably Lamar Jackson is the best chance at a rushing touchdown in any given week for the quarterback. And, you know, this week the, the Patriots, they love to take away your number one weapon, but the quarterback is their number one weapon. So, you know, how do they, how do they do that? Given that Josh Allen has shown the ability to throw the ball fairly well this season, especially on the move. When, when he's rolling out, that's when he's at his most dangerous. And he has really laid some dimes out there deep down the field uh, and, and gotten some chunk gains and some touchdowns. So um, that may be a problem for the Patriots, given that they, they can't hone in on anyone. You know, they're probably going to look to take John Brown away for his big playability. But um, that kind of happened this last week, and, and the Bills survived anyway. So. Uh, it'll be a fun a fun contest. I think the Bills' defense is a little bit of a challenge for the Patriots as well, given their secondary. Um, I still do like Josh Gordon a ton in uh, in DFS, uh, given that Antonio Brown's gone and Julian Edelman's a little nicked up. 
Yep, I'm 100% with you. I think Gordon's a great play, assuming he's healthy as well. But 5900 bucks on DraftKings, yeah. like that a lot. Um, yeah, John Brown only had five targets, but Beasley had 10 targets, eight catches for 48. That's PPR relevant. Knox had a, a coming out game. But let's talk Bengals. They're 0-3 now. It's been, it's been ugly, as you'd expect with the Bengals. But one thing they're doing with the new offensive coordinator in town is they're throwing it a lot. Boyd yeah. had 11 more targets, six catches. Ross had six targets, only two catches, kind of a down week for Ross. But then Auden Tate, 10 targets, six for 88. So they found a new weapon to enjoy the week. Yeah. Do you think this is sustainable going forward? Because Boyd and Ross were like locked in good. Now you have Auden Tate. You know, the, the ginger is looking good uh, <laughs> under center. What's your thoughts with this offense? They might not win real football games, but fantasy-wise, is there appeal? Yeah, I mean they're they're cheap weapons, you know. Uh, outside of Boyd, uh, a lot of them are on your wire uh, in DFS. They're not much money. Yeah, John John Ross playing a hundred percent of the snaps. That that's you know pretty pretty significant given that uh, he, he had a drop and a fumble, I believe. Um, so you know if he keeps playing ninety five, one hundred percent of the snaps, he's got that big playability in every single in every single game. Um. You know, Mixon looked a little better with the ankle this week. So uh, if they can stay in a game, you know, with that defense doing what it's doing, uh, that may not happen. But if if they can be in the game in a a competitive fashion, uh, Mixon will probably get some more work. Um, You know, it's they they were just behind in this one early. They've been behind early in in most of the games this year. So uh, that's that's something to monitor. If if that continues to happen, then, yeah, the game script stays. We got to throw the ball. But, uh, you know, if they're playing a team uh, like like I think they have the Steelers this week, who we'll talk about them. But, you know, they've they've got some uh, some training wheels on the offense right now. Um, That game could be your your typical ugly and AFC North clash. and, And we could see more rushing. Yeah, could get back to normal. Just bruise it out and see what happens. Let's go Lions-Eagles. The Lions win 27-24 to in Philadelphia. A bit of a surprising one on Sunday as the, the Eagles were you know, four-point home favorites in this yep. matchup. Uh, Nelson Aguilar did his thing. It, it, it does need to be mentioned that Wentz was without his big weapons with uh, D. Jackson Jeffrey. But he saw Aguilar, 12 targets, 8 for 50. Hollins had seven targets. Ertz had seven targets. Jeffrey's supposed to be back this Thursday. Djax going to miss another week or two. With mm-hmm. Nelson Aguilar and company, are are there other weapons we want here besides just Jeffrey and Ertz going forward? Yeah, they're the main ones. Uh, you know, if Aguilar remains cheap, you can you can take shots on him. But uh, with Jeffrey out there, I don't think he's got the same appeal. Um, no, the Lions don't have a great secondary, so. Uh, I don't think you're going to get another multiple touchdown game out of Aguilar rest of season. Um, you know, still kind of surprising how bad the Eagles looked at, you know, they, they were bad in all facets of the game, both special teams, uh, their defense was not good. Uh, you know, so they're, they're in trouble. Uh, they, they need to write the ship quickly. Um, you know, we'll see what happens here on a Thursday night game going into Lambo. That's not a great spot for them either. Yeah, that's not usually where you want to go figure things out. That's for darn yeah. sure. Uh, Miles Sanders, people have been waiting for him to get the work. 13 carries for 53 yards and a couple catches and, and broke a big one. But Jordan Howard still has 11 carries, only two fewer than Miles Sanders. What are we thinking with Miles Sanders? Because people want to uh, deploy him in their, <laughs> their lineups, but it's pretty tough right now. Yeah, I'm a Philly guy. 
And my mission, it seems, in fantasy is to inform people that Philadelphia rotates three running backs. People refuse to believe it year in and year out. And it it just always happens. The reason being is Deuce Staley is the running backs coach. He was an Eagles running back. Uh, Andy Reid hired him back when Andy Reid was with the Eagles. And he kind of picked up this rotation thing from Andy Reid. And ever since that, that, you know, he got Andy Reid's trust. I guess Jeffrey Lurie trusts him, the owner. They give him free reign to to handle the ro- the rotation at running back. This is across Chip Kelly's coaching tenure and now Doug Peterson's coaching tenure. Uh, it's going to be a rotation. They like it. It seems to work for them. There will be games. You know, there could be a Miles Sanders game where he takes over for a half, stuff like that. But across the season, it's going to remain a rotation. So don't go nuts for Sanders. Jordan Howard is looking like, you know, that, that he might be the guy for short yardage and goal line work. Um, Sanders did have some nice receiving, so that is an upside. But, you know, you got a guy playing 35, 40% of the snaps. You just can't trust that. Yeah, it's very, very tough. If you had to pick between these rookie backs, Miles Sanders, Singletary, Montgomery, if you had to pick one of the three, who would you want for the rest of the year? Because it's all pretty ugly so far. Yeah, well, I mean, if, if Singletary were healthy, it'd easily be Singletary. He's looked fairly electric, and, and they've liked him in some big spots. But, you know, his work hasn't been huge either. I, You know, Montgomery, uh, everybody was saying <laughs> Monday night at the half, like if we don't get Montgomery here, when are we ever going to get it? And and it didn't happen really. You know, they they're they're using Cordero Patterson as a running back plenty. Uh, it's it's confusing to say the least. Um, so you know, I've got I've got a good amount of David Montgomery that I'm, I'm pretty worried about uh, in best ball and and some redraft stuff. So um, that's going to be a trouble spot unless that changes quickly. Yeah, no doubt about it. On the Lions side of things, Marvin Jones had a coming out party. We hadn't seen him all year. Big game mm-hmm. for him. But Kenny Galladay, who beasted out the week before, had two for 17. But people need to step back. He still had eight targets. They were looking his way. Yeah. I'd expect big things coming up this weekend uh, against that, uh, at home in, in their matchup against the Chiefs. But what's yeah. your thoughts on Jones and Galladay? Yeah, Jones seems to have this this big game early in the season. Some point, you know, uh, one or two touchdowns, uh, and remind everyone that he is still a pretty good football player. Galladay, I think they're all capped by Stafford. He's he's just not a great quarterback. I mean, he's he's serviceable. He's probably above average, but you know, he he did not look good even in this win. The the like I said, the other the Eagles kind of half hand at the game away and some of the special team stuff and, and some of the defensive woes um, and some drops, you, you know, it's, it's not like the lions were this dominating team. Um, they, they played a good game and, and they, they managed the game with the points they got, but yeah, Stafford, Stafford worries me and, and limits the upside of all of the receiving options uh, unless they're playing a fairly weak defense. Yeah, no doubt about that. Let's go Ravens-Chiefs. It was a good one. The Ravens came back and made it a little closer, but still Chiefs did Chiefs things. It was pretty easy for Patrick Mahomes. Yep. Yet again, uh, Sammy Watkins got a shut down. Still had eight targets, five for 64. People mm-hmm. are expecting the big game. Week in and week out, he's getting love. Uh, Kelsey hasn't had the monster game people want either. Mm-hmm. What 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 advice do you have for these people that want Hardman? They want Richardson or Robinson, I mean. <laughs> In reality, Watkins and Kelsey are the one and the two. So what's your thoughts here? Yeah, I think you're right on that. You know, Watkins is seeing the targets. 
it's just that you have to pick your poison with Kansas city. And, you know, when you're a defensive coordinator and you're game planning, okay, who are we stopping? We're stopping 87, the tight end. Okay. Then who's next. All right. Watkins as the receiver, he's in the slot. Most of the time let's, let's key on him. Well, now you've got Miko Hardman and uh, Demarcus Robinson who have suddenly turned into playmakers and Tyree kills uh, absence, you know, and, as teams kind of, I guess, have to pay a little more attention to them, we should see Watkins and Kelsey uh, get a little bit more of, of uh, loose coverage. But it, it could st- stay the same way. You know, teams could just say, all right, Kelsey is, is their preferred target. Watkins is their big play. This other guy's a rookie, and the other one is is Demarcus Robinson, who, you know, was a nobody in the league until this season. And, and let's see if we can beat them one-on-one. Uh, you know, and if I had to bet, it's it's Patrick Mahomes is going gonna, is gonna to beat you one-on-one when you give it to him. Yeah, no, Patrick Mahomes is going to win way more often than not. You're 100% correct on that one. Uh, the Chiefs' backfield, Damian Williams missed the game with injury, still banged up. Give me interesting yeah. if he suits up this weekend. Uh, Damian Williams, or Daryl Williams, had nine yeah. carries for 62 yards. LaShawn McCoy had eight for 54. Everyone wanted Darwin Thompson. That didn't quite matriculate. <laughs> so going into this weekend in, uh, in, in Detroit, how would you uh, game plan? I know Daryl Williams is a popular waiver wire target this week. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's really tough to to throw a dart here. Uh, Lashawn McCoy seems to be the guy to own if um, you know Damian Williams is out. Uh, given that he's kind of in that you know that Spencer Ware mold right now, of he's not the best athlete, but he's the guy they they rely on, and he's going to score touchdowns if that becomes. Darrell Williams, then, you know, that, that's, that's where we got to go. But, uh, you know, and Darwin Thompson is wor- lurking to steal some passing work, I guess. I mean, uh, that, that was probably the biggest smoke screen of, of all the training camp smoke screens is that, you know, he was going to be a guy that would be involved. Uh, I, I played him on, on, on Sunday in, in plenty of DFS lineups. Cause I thought, all right, here it is. He's going to get snaps. He's going to work into the rotation and squat. So, uh, you know, who knows what's going to happen with him, but yeah, I mean, uh, it, it's, it's kind of a stay away situation for me, unless you're getting a really good price on one of them. Yeah. That's how I feel. Like I've, I've seen a lot of people say you have to go get this guy. It's like, I understand you want the running back in Kansas city, but there's not one running back right now. It's, it's a murky, murky situation. Right. So yeah. It's I mean, t- week, in week two, LaShawn McCoy was worthless and he was in a, in a two way rotation, you know? <laughs> Exactly. So now he, now he could be in a three-way rotation when Damian Williams comes back. Yeah, it's it's wild. So we'll have to wait and see how that goes. On the Ravens side of things, Marquise Brown only had two for 49, had all the air yards, had nine targets. <laughs> what do you think about this? Because you've seen the tweets everywhere, and uh, people are praising him, even though the production wasn't there. Right. Some of the passes were just like throwaway bad passes by Lamar. But what's your thoughts on Hollywood Brown so far? Yeah, and that's exactly it. Uh, Lamar Jackson, when he gets in trouble, just – chucks the ball right now um and his receivers bailed him out big time on, on at least two plays where the ball was just up in the air forever and um willie sneed went up and got a sure interception and stole it away uh and um i forget who got the other one down around the five but the ball was just you know way underthrown, but way up in the air and the receiver just saw it before the defender and is able to come back to it that's going to be trouble for Lamar Jackson. If the Ravens are chasing in a game, Jackson is, is definitely in play to implode. 
And that's the concern. If they can play from ahead, if he can you know, do his thing running and, and be opportunistic in the passing game, that's when he's at his best. Um, but Marquise Brown getting those air yards, he's just fast and Jackson needs a safety outlet and he just chucks it up. Uh, you know, he did it a bunch of times to Hayden Hurst as well. You know, he's just, okay, I, I've got you running a seam. I'm going to throw it as far as I can. And he overthrows them by a ton, but they get some air yards there. Yeah. The minor details. Um, all right, let's go Jets Patriots. Patriots in complete control went 30 to 14. The Jets kind of make it look pretty with a punt return touchdown and a pick six on the backup quarterback on yeah. Stidham. So it was all Patriots all the time. The New England Patriots, they face the Jets, they face the Dolphins. They've had a pretty easy schedule. Do you mm-hmm. believe their defense is this good, or is it definitely the schedule speaking out? I lean towards the schedule. Uh, usually the Patriots defense isn't good until the second half of the season. Exactly. So, exactly. Uh, th- that's a shocker uh, to start the year here. But looking at the opponents, like you said, that explains a lot of it. Um, but, you know, when, when you're ahead in a game, it's it's easy to play defense some of the time. You're Especially if, if you're coached by somebody like Bill Belichick, who, who is at his best when he can uh, predict what you're going to do. Yeah, pin your ears back and go. Uh, the running back situation in New England, it was bizarre to say the least <laughs> over the weekend. James White was out because his wife had a child. Totally understandable. Yep. In, in a game of blowout magnitude like this, Sony Michelle 9 for 11. Rex Burkhead 11 for 47 and, and had a, a big piece of the passing game. Seven targets, six catches. You have to factor in that uh, Gordon left hurt, Edelman left hurt, James Devlin was out. This is a sloppy situation right now. White should be back this Sunday, but again, like I said, Devlin's out. What are you doing with this New England running back situation? It's always kind of been a headache, but usually in games where they're ahead like this, it's Sony Michelle gets you know fifteen to twenty carries, pounds right. the rock, and does his thing. This was not the case this weekend. So what are we thinking? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if they're preserving his knee or if the knee still is lingering a little bit from from you know he had some training camp clear out. I think. Uh, that's possible. Um, you know, the, the Devlin being placed on IR news, it could be significant for Michelle. Actually, I think somebody posted on Twitter, a stat that of Sony Michelle's 12 rushing touchdowns, James Devlin was, was on the field for nine of them. Um, and I'm sure that's a function of the package they ran, but he's a good blocker. You know, he's, he's good at what he, what he did in the Patriots offense. So, you know, I don't know if, if they've got a plug-and-play replacement for him. We'll see. Fullback's not that hard to replace, but, uh, you know, he, they were comfortable with Devlin. They were very comfortable with him. So that may change what they do on offense a little bit, um, especially down around the goal line. They're more than comfortable throwing it a ton, even ahead, even on the goal line, as we've seen. Um, you know, so, yeah, stay away from the, from the Patriots running back situation. Although I, I do like James White just a little bit this week. His price I went like, down. I hair. like him a lot this week, yes. Yeah, and, you know, the, the Bills defense is kind of a keep everything in front of them style. Um, they've got good corners. Uh, so I could see I could see James White having one of those games where he catches 10 passes for, for 100 yards. Especially if Edelman's out, he can be their short game guy. Like I could see that big time. I, I like I like White a lot to kind of come in and, and, and get some PPR gold this yeah. week. Cowboys beat up on my Dolphins as expected, thirty-one <laughs> to six. I'm actually surprised the Dolphins got six. That's a sign of improvement with Josh Rosen yeah. there. Uh, things <laughs> things are looking up. They almost covered a twenty-two and a half point spread. Watch out, <laughs> Dolphins. Um, but my question for you is Zeke, nineteen for one twenty-five is outstanding. 
Pollard got 13 carries. It was a blowout, so I'm going to kind of take that with a grain of salt. But the more important thing, only three targets and two catches for Zeke. He used to be a big part of that passing game. And for me, if it's more, if it's closer games where they're passing more and maybe not strictly running the ball, and Zeke's not a pass the part of the passing game, how concerned are you with Zeke's role in this offense, or is it still kind of overthinking things? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a little bit of a concern if they keep kind of you know steamrolling the way they have been. Their opposition has been pretty weak to, to date, and Zeke did miss a big chunk of camp, so. Uh, I'm not ready to to make any calls there yet, but uh, you know I I put up on Twitter a, a question you know what are some of your favorite defenses to target at each position? And a lot of responses were just Dolphins everything, um, and I said well that's kind of the problem with the Dolphins is you know everyone can succeed like they're not a funnel uh, either direction run or pass um, you know they're just terrible across the board. So like that's good for everyone, but that's also you know your your backup running back may run for a hundred yards, and your your starter might get some rest. Um, you know, Amari Cooper scored two touchdowns, which was nice because you know uh, the Dak was looking his way. But um, you know if that if that doesn't happen, uh, you know Amari, I, I could see kind of being being a, a non factor in a game like this where they don't need him or you know whatever team's wide receiver won. So. Um, you know that 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 could be the problem with the Dolphins is is just complete lack of resistance. But yeah, Zeke, yeah. I'm I'm not too concerned. It's it's uh, he'll bounce back. I think especially next week they're going into to New Orleans, so um, that should be a fun game. It should be a fun game, and that should tell us more of what to expect. I think with Zeke in this offense for sure. Uh, Josh Rosen, 18 for 39, 200 yards, didn't throw a pick. Grain of salt thing. Uh, three mm-hmm. for 13. He targeted Preston Williams um, 12 times. He was a, a big fan of his in the preseason. Uh, mm-hmm. Devontae Parker had air yards galore. If you're looking at this team, let's just think about it big picture here. They're going to have to throw the ball a ton. Preston Williams got a ton of volume. Devontae Parker might get some as well. Even Kenyon Drake had six targets out of the backfield and 12 for 38. Yeah. What's your thoughts on this? Like, Is there any fantasy relevance here? Because I ask this question every week, and it's been no, 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 and I <laughs> – I don't argue it, but I think we might see something different with Rosen than we did with Fitzpatrick. I don't know. What's your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, if you can protect Rosen, he's a competent quarterback. We saw the same thing in Arizona when he took over right away is, you know, he was actually throwing uh, some, some pretty accurate passes and his receiving core was just letting him down. And then as the offensive line crumbled around him, everything kind of went to crap, um, which could, absolutely happen here that offensive line is probably the worst in football they could, tra- they could trade them all by week six it's possible yeah i mean i don't know why they're not trading rosen like right now is a, probably a good time to, to try and trade him because he looked competent his receivers dropped some balls on him that could have been touchdowns um you know so if i were if i were the dolphins i'd you're, you're gonna draft a quarterback in the next draft you you don't need josh rosen uh try and try and improve on what you invested and there's some teams out there that need them. Uh, but you know, uh, as far as this team and fantasy relevance, I'd, I'd lean Preston Williams way. He, uh, he seems to be a little bit of a favorite, like you said, um, uh, you know, that the target volume could be there. Devonte Parker has got the athletic ability, but he's going to lose trust fast. If he keeps dropping balls, uh, you know, and getting hit right in the hands and, and dropping slants over the middle in the red zone. Yeah, Preston Williams, he's uh, on many waiver wires, and he's $3,900 in DraftKings next week. So have fun with that one. Um, Broncos, mm-hmm. Packers, Green Bay goes to 3-0, 27-16. to 
Lindsay has a big week, 12 for 81, two scores, four catches for 49. It's great, but is it sustainable when Freeman is still splitting the snaps with him? Yeah, I don't think it's sustainable. I mean, Lindsay got the the goal line work this week, which was a little bit of a surprise given his stature. Um, but man, he runs hard. That second touchdown is not a touchdown. Somebody his size should have been able to score uh, running through a much bigger defender. Um, so, you know, I was like, when a coach sees that, he's happy to, to put a guy in and say, uh, you know, I know you're going to work for me. Not that Royce Freeman doesn't, but Royce Freeman's more of a plotter. He, he's just kind of a, a dude that is big and uh, runs hard, but doesn't have a lot of shake and bake. But he's still going to be involved. They, they've they both been involved in passing situations. You figure the Broncos are going to be trailing. Uh, I'm worried about the Broncos as a whole. I mean, I like Vic Fangio as a defensive coordinator, but he seems lost as a head coach. I, I think, you know, uh, it, it was a move that probably wasn't, uh, the most prudent thing we, we haven't seen John LA make a lot of great decisions uh, as, as Broncos GM. So this could just be the next in a line of, of debacles, um, which just kind of, kind of limits everybody's upside on that team. Yeah. Elway's made a lot of bad decisions so far. Yeah. It's not, not been a good look for John Elway, especially for a quarterback that can't manage quarterback right. talent. That's, that's like, a bad like why get Joe Flacco when you could have got Josh Rosen, you know? <laughs> exactly. Get someone young. You can develop. It makes no sense. I guess they saw the sign elite and they bought into it. I have no idea. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the Packers though. Running back Jamal Williams, 12 for 59, Aaron Jones, 10 for 19, but two touchdowns. Uh-huh. This is a mess. It is also a committee here. Similar to Lindsey. Lindsey at least produced yardage. Jones got the touchdowns. Williams got the productive play. Also had two catches for 27. Mm-hmm. This is messy. Where do you go with this? It's like, whew, bad. Yeah, I mean, it's touchdown or bust for, for Aaron Jones right now. Um, you know, the touchdowns were amazing. They, they were both uh, very shifty. Uh, the second touchdown especially, he had to bounce it outside of a defender in the backfield and, and beat another defender to the corner of the end zone which, you know, looked great to me. If I were a coach, he'd be my guy. Uh, everyone seems to have that that same set of eyes on him. But for whatever reason, Jamal Williams is, you know, through two coaches now, uh, uh, eaten into the work. So, uh, you know, we'll see. They're both kind of nicked up um, this week. I don't think either is going to be significant, but something to monitor. Um, uh, you know, any, any times that happens in a committee, it's, it's something to think about. Yeah, no doubt about it, because then – Things open up, like you're saying. So that'll be nice to see if uh, the committee falls apart. Lastly here, Aaron Rodgers, like the Green Bay defense has been amazing. So Rodgers hasn't had to do a ton. Mm -hmm. But still, 17 of 29 for only 235. Hasn't had a big game yet. Devontae Adams, only four catches this week. MVS had a big week. But Adams used to be Mr. Consistency fantasy-wise. Haven't seen much of that. Are you concerned at all with this Packers passing attack? Since A, they haven't needed to use it, and B, Different offense uh, under LaFleur, a lot yeah. more running involved. Yeah, slightly concerned. They they have had some tough cornerback matchups for Adams combined with the fact that they've gotten some early leads and the defense played well. Uh, you know, as as you figure, they're, I don't know if that defense is, is actually, I think they're playing a little bit over what they, they should be. They're standing on their heads a little bit. Um, you know, I, I think the Packers are probably going to get into some more contested games hopefully that starts this thursday we get a little bit of a shootout on on a thursday night game which is a little bit of a rarity um but uh 
you know, uh, I think Adams is is going to get garner the targets. Maybe not to the level we saw last year, but you also have to wonder with Rodgers, how far into the season is he just going to wait and and keep trusting Lafleur before he says, you know what, <laughs> I did this to Mike McCarthy. I'm just going to audible. Yep. Uh, I don't like your calling. I'm, I'm <laughs> waiting for that. I am you know, so waiting for that. It's going to happen. You feel like to some extent, at least, and. You know, uh, th- that's when that offense maybe opens up. Yeah, I, I can. I have a weird feeling about that too. That eventually, you know, he's just going to be like, you know what, we're going to do this my way, and, and then yeah. it's going to happen. So we'll keep an eye on that one. Falcons, Colts, Colts win by three, go to two and one on the season. Jacoby Brissett looked pretty good, but in yeah. in the mix of it all, T. Y. Hilton ten targets, eight for sixty five and a score. He's been money this year, but he's banged up, re-aggravated his quad injury. If mm-hmm. T.Y. Hilton is out this week, Zach Pascal had two catches for 53. You got Ebron and Doyle had big roles. Paris Campbell's there. Where would you mm-hmm. be looking at in this passing attack if T.Y.'s out? Yeah, it's pretty hard to throw a dart. I mean, I'm a Paris Campbell fan given his athleticism. Um, but, you know, there, there's a lot of, of names in that in, in that passing tree that no, don't really stand out. Um and you know, and the thing I saw them doing a lot of this week, and and they've been doing all season, is is calling a lot of rollouts uh, for for Brissett, which helps him. Given that you know he's not the best quarterback, it it limits you know it, it takes away half the field and and lets him focus and gets him on the move, which is good for somebody as athletic as him. But if that keeps happening, defenses are going to catch up to that. They stop having to worry about half the field as well. And, and, you know, now they're, they're keyed in and, and you've got nowhere to go and you either throw across your body and f- make a mistake, possibly throw an interception, or you, you're going to take a sack or try and run it and, and take punishment. So I think they're fine this week against the Raiders. Um, you know, probably the tight ends are, are maybe a little bit of a, of a floor play. Um, and then the wide receivers, if Hilton is out, is anybody's guess. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel. I did a DFS show before this, and uh, I was like, yeah, maybe Jack Doyle, just because he'll, he'll be there, but I can't tell you to play Pascal or any of them. It's just it's it's sketchy as heck. Well, on the Falcons side of things, Matt Ryan's had three really good games as they've kind of had to play catch-up in every game this year. Devontae Freeman showed signs of life, but overall it's been Julio Jones. Hooper's been uh-huh. amazing. Just three games in, we expected a, a dynamic offense in Atlanta – where do you like? What do you see in fantasy wise that besides, let's say, besides Julio and Matt Ryan, <laughs> that really stand out good or bad for you? Yeah, I, I did not expect a dynamic offense. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, it's it's been it's been in comeback mode, um, and you know, I, I just I do not trust them. I I do not trust them at all. Um, bringing back Dirk Cutter was a major mistake. Uh, he's he's just not good. He he was a head coach and he had to give up play calling duty because he was so bad at it. And, you know, they, they decided that's the guy we want to bring back. Uh, you know, they're going to keep falling behind their defense. Uh, it's, it's up and down, but it's, it's looking like it's shaky again. They lost Keanu Neal to an Achilles uh, uh, tendon. That's going to be a big problem for them. When that happened last year, uh, they were just gutted up the middle by, by running backs and tight ends. Um, you know, at home, sure, they, they can come back. It's a fast track. They were playing in a dome in, in, in Indy here. So, you know, they were able to do the same thing. But on the road, I, I 
would love to target them with a defense uh, in DFS or, or standard uh, fantasy. And then, you know, uh, if they're playing like the bucks, okay, sure. Yeah. Like we can, we can get on board with Julio against the bucks, <laughs> stuff like that. But um, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> it's not the best spot uh, in my opinion. Yeah, Cutter does not sign up for really a, a good thing. That's for darn sure. Yeah, I mean, Giants, if, you could, yeah. if you could sell Matt Ryan for anything and, and and you know have a decent return, I, I would do it. Interesting. I like it. I like it. Uh, Giants, Bucks, Giants, thirty-two, thirty-one. Danny Dimes gets it done as Tampa <laughs> Bay can't kick a field goal because Bruce Arians thought his kicker was better from farther away than close up. So go figure on that one, Bruce. Go put that uh, that fedora on a little tighter next time. But yeah. um, that was that was a bad one. But uh, we'll start with the most important part before we get to Danny Dimes here. Saquon Barkley, ankle high ankle sprain, likely out for most are saying eight weeks. It's a pretty severe sprain. Mm-hmm. What are you doing? Wayne Gallman's going to get the everyday role. What's you? What are you doing here if you're a Barkley owner? Yeah, I mean, it's it's right now Gallman's the name, but you got to think they're going to bring somebody in this week, you know, uh, um, Elijah Penny is their only other option after Paul Perkins got claimed by the lions. So, uh, you know, uh, you figure a guy, like I said, CJA, you know, CJ Anderson is, is probably at the front of, uh, Gettleman's Rolodex, but there are guys out there like Cameron artist Payne, who he drafted in Carolina. Uh, You also have the, the Carolina connection with, uh, Jonathan Stewart, and um, Williams, um, you know, both guys are probably well past their prime in the NFL, but who knows? Um, so it's probably going to be a veteran uh, to kind of just help solidify things. I, I don't – they want to compete. You know, I think I think moving uh, uh, Daniel, Daniel Jones into the starting lineup this early is a sign of that. So they're going to probably bring in a back who's a notable name, but um, – you know, Gallman's serviceable if, if he's going to get the work, uh, especially this week against Washington. That's fine. Yeah, no, I, I think this week he, he's very, very serviceable, but I'm 100% with you. I think they bring someone else in and figure it out from there. All right, let's go to Daniel Jones. Danny Dimes, 23 of 36, 336, two scores, zero interceptions, four carries, 28 <laughs> yards, two touchdowns. It is the Tampa Bay defense. Let's take a breather for two seconds. Yep. Gets, gets Washington this weekend, though, which doesn't suck either. Um, just what's your thoughts on him? I know there's a ton of mixed reactions when he got drafted so early. He looked good in the mm-hmm. preseason. Again, preseason. He looked good this week against Tampa Bay, kind of like preseason. How do we feel about Daniel Jones going forward? Yeah, the the big takeaway there is it's the Bucks defense playing from behind as well. Like the Bucks defense can't protect the lead. That's, that's going to be a problem all season for them. Um, so, you know, the giants defense is equally bad. So they may be playing from behind a lot and, and that could mean decent things for, for Jones. Um, you know, he looked, he looked good at times. He looked bad at times. Um, the two rushing touchdowns is definitely gravy. Uh, Evan Silva, that was, uh, one of the things he tweeted out, um, prior to prior to last week was the the thing he's most interested in with Jones is that he's he's mobile and he can run the ball well. He did it at Duke, and uh, you know that's that's part of his game. So um, you know, kudos to Evan for nailing that one on the head. Um, you know, it's not going to be two and two every week. Uh, you'll be you'll be lucky to probably get two two throwing 
two passing touchdowns out of him. But like you said, uh, Washington up this week, they've been gutted by quarterbacks. Um, you know, hopefully that is a little more of a shootout than an ugly affair, which Washington Giants can tend to turn into, given that it's a divisional game. Um, but, you know, you got uh, Terry McLaurin in Washington. He's looked really good. And, uh, you know, uh, maybe Chris Thompson can do a little something. Yeah, I think it's an interesting DFS game for sure. Uh, neither team plays defense and they will throw yep. it around. So I think there's some appeal for that. Lots of value there. Uh, let's talk about some of uh, Jones's targets here. He spread it around better than I thought he would, but his main two targets, mm-hmm. Evan Ingram, six for 113 on a score. Shepard, seven for 100 on a score. Shepard's first game of the year since coming back from the concussion. Mm-hmm. Both these guys beasted out. Do you feel like this should be a trend going forward? These are the two guys, like – they're not obviously available on the waiver wire, but if you have them or can get them, what's your thoughts on these guys going forward with Daniel Jones? Yeah, they're they're both pretty dependable targets. You know, Ingram's an amazing athlete. We saw that on his touchdown. He outran the entire defense, which a tight end should not be able to do. Uh, he's a wide receiver playing tight end. Um, you know, which is, is the mold of the NFL. Uh, if you can get that, it, it it's an amazing piece. You can you can move around. Uh, so I think there'll be good things out of that. Pat Shermer's good at getting his tight end involved now that he's got a competent quarterback that should continue. Uh, and Shepard, you know, I've had this debate a couple of years in a row about Shepard. He's, he's a slot receiver and slot receivers have a hard time breaking the touchdown ceiling. You know, they, they really can't score more than five or six touchdowns in a season you know, Doug Baldwin was one of the few guys that was able to do that on a consistent basis. But given that there's nothing else in that receiving pantry, uh, Shepard should be fine. He should score a good amount of touchdowns and, and have some nice yardage. Yeah, I'm with you there. I think there's, like you said, there's nothing else there. So roll with what you got. Uh, speaking of roll with what you got, let's go to Tampa Bay. The first two weeks was the Chris Godwin show. He kind of disappeared till like late fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Mike Evans was back in a big, big way. 15 targets, eight for 190, and three touchdowns. Uh, Jameis, it's one thing he can do. He'll have these games where he's like, holy crap. And then yep. he realizes Jameis Winston when he throws four picks next time out. <laughs> but um, you have Evans, you have Godwin, even OJ Howard had a little bit more role this week. What are you yeah. doing with those three guys? Because I doubt we're ever going to see a week where all three are there. Who would you trust in that rotation? Yeah, it's really hard to trust anybody because uh, Godwin's usage was at the expense of Evans and, and Howard. They were the guys getting the looks. Now, I think the defense dictated that. The uh, uh, the Giants pretty much just left Janoris Jenkins on an island with Mike Evans, which Jenkins last year lost his ability to be a cover you know, corner uh, of that caliber. And they're still doing it this year. And they waited an entire half and three touchdowns to, to, to make any kind of change and give him safety help. Um, I mean, he Evans was just so wide open. Not even Jameis Winston could screw it up. Uh, that's not going to happen most weeks. Um, I think Godwin is maybe the better receiver uh, as far as more complete. You know, Evans has got that big play potential. And, and when they play a secondary that you can burn for – you know, a, a 40, 50 yard gain. That's when Evans is going to be in play. Um, you know, they, they got the Rams coming up and we'll have to see who, who which cornerbacks are matching up with which receivers. I, I, I kind of lean Godwin this week one, because, you know, Evans is fresh in everyone's mind and, and that's where they're going to go. Um, but also that Godwin can play out of the slot a little more. So uh, that lets him move around the field. 
Yep, 100% on board. I'm going Godwin again this week. That's the guy I think overall just because his mobility to move around the field will create better matchups, and if there's pressure, yep. easier yep. shots to get to. I like I like him quite a bit. Uh, Carolina, Arizona, heck of a football game. Carolina ended up winning 38-20. to 20. Not heck of a football game in t- like quality-wise, just <laughs> entertaining fantasy-wise. And one of them is Kyle Allen made the start for Carolina. He uh, threw for 261, scored four times. A lot of short passes to Greg Olson and uh, Curtis Samuel, who both had very <laughs> big games. Now he goes into Houston this weekend, a tough uh, tough uh, defense there in Houston. What's your expectations for Kyle Allen? Because some people are really falling in love with this guy. Yeah, don't use him this week. That uh, <laughs> that Houston pass rush uh, going against the Panthers O-line is going to be problems for a young quarterback. Uh, he's probably going to make some mistakes, throw some picks, take some bad sacks. Um you know, that 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 could mean like Greg Olson is still in play because that's kind of his safety outlet. They definitely uh, made that a point of emphasis for him in his first game. But, you know, he's he's a he's got a big arm. And out of all the the rookie quarterbacks, I think that he probably got the, the, mo- the biggest amount of the playbook um, out of everybody. Uh, so, you know, that speaks to, to where they think he is and he's got a big arm. So uh, that kind of matches up with what North Turner wants to do in, in his offense. Um, yeah, no, I'm with you there. It, I think he's much better than Cam. I'll say that much right now because <laughs> a beat up Cam is bad. Like I, I'd rather take my chances with Kyle Allen. Yeah, but, but bad um, Cam is, is, is pretty terrible. It's really, really bad. So I think it's it's good for the Panthers. I think this matchup in Houston is going to be pretty tricky. Pretty, pretty tricky. Yep. On the flip side of that game, Kyler uh, Murray, he was he had someone from Carolina in the backfield all day on him. He finally ran the ball, eight carries for 69 yards. He threw it 43 times, only for 173. A lot of dinking and dunking, not throwing it downfield. Christian Kirk, 12 targets for 10 catches. Fitz got his. DJ was definitely involved. Are you concerned with the way they're using Kyler Murray? Because he's still he's putting up like 20-plus points every week. And the rest of the team is putting up points fantasy-wise. They're not winning games, though. Are you concerned with the Kyler Murray usage so far in this Arizona offense? I mean, the only number that really matters for him is plays per game. And outside of the first half of that first game, uh, it, it's been high-paced. So it, it doesn't have to be pretty. It doesn't have to be efficient. It's just got to be volume, and it's happening. Their defense is going to cause that every single week they're they're one of the worst defenses as well their offense does them no favors playing at that pace uh so you know target them (laughs) wherever you can um and you know with kyler uh yeah i mean it's that their offensive line the cardinals offensive line they they tried to to shore up with retreads and and uh you know marcus gilbert was a nice trade but the steelers let him go because he's always hurt and he's hurt to start the season yeah, yeah. so you know it's a <laughs> it's a pretty big problem um the the like you said they're the timing is being really interrupted in an offense that that is hinged hinges on timing so um they need they need to get uh something going there on the offensive line so, somehow some way you know getting david johnson involved maybe getting getting defenders not to rush so freely but um We'll see. Cliff Cliff is Cliff Kingsbury's keeping the training wheels on. I don't blame him for that, given that you know it, it's Kyler Murray's first three games of his career. He's got a bad offensive line. Um, he doesn't want to ruin Kyler Murray, uh, despite what 
you know, what disappointments may come for our fantasy teams. Yeah, no, he does not care about our fantasy teams. He's trying to get this thing to work and there's signs of life at, at time. And there's other times where it's like, not good at all. So yeah. let's keep an eye on that. Use, it's, use Larry Fitzgerald in DFS though. Yes. Use Larry and Kirk. Like they're both so cheap. Just keep using them. It's crazy. Um, I'm hundred percent with you there. Let's go to Seattle saints, 33 Seattle, 27 surprised me with this final outcome. Yeah. But they drew up the perfect game plan for ter- Teddy Bridgewater. Give Kamara 16 carries for 69 <laughs> yards. Throw him 10 passes that he catches 9 for 92 on a score. Hit yeah. Michael Thomas a few times. Seems like a pretty easy recipe for success. And Teddy executed it beautifully. Um, with this major workload from Kamara, do we expect this going forward? Or do we still – like he always was a very integral role of the offense. But this was like above and beyond. Do we expect this above and beyond with Teddy in town, or do we kind of think it'll be back to normal here coming soon? I, I think as long as Teddy Bridgewater is their starting quarterback, uh, you're going to see this this continue with Kamara. Um, it kind of has to. Uh, you know, they at home they may be a little more loose uh, and give Bridgewater a little more responsibility. Um, the, that game script went perfect for them. They. They scored a defensive touchdown. They scored a special teams touchdown. Uh, that that's <laughs> that's not going to happen most weeks. So I'm I'm still a little bit skeptical of what Teddy Bridgewater can do. Uh, I don't I don't think he's the best quarterback. But if if you can put him in a game management situation, he can get that done. So uh, you know a lot's going to hinge on that defense and Kamara standing on his head, which Kamara is clearly capable of doing. So. Um, yeah, definitely, yes. definitely interested in Kamara whenever you can get him, especially at home. At home on that turf, he's just so hard to bring down. Yep, Kamara can stand on his head and can act on the TV show Ballers. So check it all out with <laughs> Alvin Kamara. Crazy stuff. Uh, on the Seattle side of things, they were playing from behind all day. So Russell Wilson, 50 pass attempts, 406, two touchdowns. It's never been a question, can Russ do it? We know Russ can be this guy. That's never been the issue. Mm-hmm. They usually don't need it. He ran seven carries for 51 yards and two touchdowns. Like he put up a yep. monster, monster game. The other part of it, though, Tyler Lockett, 14 targets, 11 catches, 154. He had 10 catches the week before. After week one, people were concerned about him. He's busted out two straight weeks. Going forward now, you, you expect Wilson to kind of hone back down a bit. But Lockett, it seems like this is legit. Do we buy into Lockett being this you know heavy workload type guy? I don't, uh, you know, I, I like Lockett to an extent, but I think the train is kind of uh, leaving the station on him at the moment. They were playing from behind early. At least that defensive touchdown came early on, gave the, the Saints a nice lead, uh, and the Saints just kept scoring touchdowns, and, and the, Seah- the Seahawks were chasing. Uh, that probably isn't going to happen most games. It's definitely not going to happen next week in Arizona, you would think. So it's probably going to go back to the the Seahawks offense we saw week one against the Bengals where they're just going to run the ball a whole bunch and, and have very limited passing targeting. Well, when you say that then, so Chris Carson, 15 for 53, another fumbling issue. Yeah. Uh, it's three fumbles in two weeks. Rashad Penny might be back. He's supposed to be practicing come Thursday. So we'll have to keep an eye on that one. But assuming Rashad Penny's back, what are you doing with this situation? Because I love Carson coming into the year. Week one was great. It's been ugly the last few weeks. Rashad Penny looked good in week two. How do you approach this? Because if you you believe they do slow down, which I think is pretty accurate, that's the Seattle Seahawks way, 
they're going to use one or one of these guys, if not split it. What do you see happening? How would you approach it? Yeah, I mean, if Penny is healthy, he's going to get more work. You, you, you just, it's going to happen because of the fumbling. The coaching staff doesn't seem too concerned about it. Uh, they, they've shown a little bit of confidence in Carson despite the fumbles. But Carson himself looked, didn't look the same after that fumble. And I mean, it was, it was a nice strip. It was a, you know, a, a, a chase down from behind with a punch over the top. Um, beautifully placed you know you can't really fault Carson for that too much it wasn't like he was sloppy with the ball uh so you know if it happens again though if he fumbles again it it could be a serious issue where you know like the coaching staff's willing to give you three maybe four fumbles early in the year but once you're you're eclipsing that fumble per game mark uh uh they have no choice but to to bench you for a little bit and you know Penny is not as good as Carson in that offense but he's got some big playability and you know, that, that could garner some attention, but uh, I think Carson's in a good spot this week. If, if he doesn't fumble, um, he's going to probably shred that Cardinals defense and, and be leaned on heavily. Yeah. I think, I think the, the Seattle offense is going to have a field day. It's just a matter of how's it go. And I, I'm going to take him my season long. I will have some, some Carson, not sure, sure and daily, but I'll, I'll, my Carson shares, I'll be playing in those matchups. Uh, so Play at your own risk, but I agree with you. He's very good. He's still got the carries even after the fumbles both weeks. They're going to give him the ball. It's just if Penny's there, it might cut into it a little more than I'd like. So it'll be yeah. it'll be interesting. Let's go by the Bay. The Niners 24-20 over Pittsburgh. Improved to 3-0 on the year as the Steelers go to 0-3. Niners got it done with five turnovers, surprisingly. <laughs> and a messy running back situation. Raheem Mostert, 12 carries for 79. Yeah. Rita for 14 for 68. Wilson at the goal line back. What are you doing if you own any of these guys? Like, how do you approach this? Like, again, common question, almost every team running back by committee. What are you doing here? Yeah, I don't know what you can do. Uh, and it sounds like Tevin Coleman isn't that far away from practicing. So, uh, there's, there's a fourth cook coming into that kitchen. I mean, Jeff Wilson getting goal line carries is maybe the most stable part of that offense all of a sudden. Like, he's, he's scoring touchdowns, you know. We'll see if that continues, but, uh, you know, Brita has a stable role. He's probably going to get the most carries, but it's likely not more than 10 to 15. Uh, he doesn't do a lot in the passing game, despite being a smaller guy. He's not a great pass catcher. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's ugly across the board. Uh, I don't know if you can use any of them unless two, at least two of them get hurt. Assuming Coleman comes back. Yeah, no, you're right. It's going to have to be one of those weird ones. I actually, in a one of my waiver wires this week, I was dropping Raheem Mostert to pick up someone else I needed right now, and it hurt because Mostert's that good, and I know this could come back to haunt me, but I yeah. just you don't. It's crazy week in to week out. It's just it's wild. So tough to tough to figure out there. What's really wild is the Steelers' offense. It is not good. Mason Rudolph looked lost back there. I think he'll be better than this. I do, but he looked lost. James Conner wasn't very good. The overall yeah. passing game wasn't great. What are you doing if you own anybody in Pittsburgh right now? Uh, I mean, who do you own? Juju Smith-Schuster, you're holding and, and crossing your fingers. James Conner, same thing. You're holding, you're crossing your fingers. Uh, True. If you had to replace Big Ben with Mason Rudolph like I did in Scott Fishbowl, you're holding crossing your fingers because it's super flex. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it was, it was weird. It was very weird. They, they, I think through only two passes 
more than two yards down the field, um, which is just nuts for an offense in, in today's day and age, especially one that's so heavily passing oriented like the Steelers. Uh, you know, take the training wheels off and, and let the kid play because he did have some nice throws. Uh, his touchdown to Deontay Johnson was really nice. Um, you know, you're you're it was it was if they're in a close game, I think that's that's the worry is if they're not trailing um, or up by a good amount, you know, they're they're going to be conservative with a rookie quarterback. But uh, you know, you're zero and three. You you can't be conservative for very long. Yeah, what would you do? Um, you know, James Washington, Deontay Johnson were popular names going into last week. Do you have interest in any of those guys? Johnson got some healthy target loads, and so did Washington. Yeah, I mean, in a deeper league, you know, you you, you probably should roster them, but given given what we saw, um, you know, the Bengals are coming to town. They're at home now. That's a much better situation. Uh, but you know, the Niners' defense, besides their defensive line, is not all that great. So, um, you know, it's, it's definitely a a questionable situation. All right. Texans chargers, Texans going to say to Los Angeles and win 27 to 20, uh, Watson threw for three fifty one and three scores. He got his, but he passed it all around the, uh, receiving court stills for four Aikens for three Hopkins for six fuller five fells five. It was all over the place. Uh, you know, yeah, the, the tight ends the did the damage. Yeah, tight ends did the damage. Aikens two scores, Fells the other one. Hopkins is you're going to keep playing. Hopkins Fuller, I want to keep playing. Stills is in the way. Like Kute was only involved. Like he's only in on twelve percent of the snaps this yeah. week. What are you doing with these guys right now? Yeah, Kute's the tough one there because we had high hopes for him coming into the season, and you know he's been a corpse so far. Uh, you know, Hopkins is, is the only reliable target, I think, uh, given that Stills is cutting into Fuller's work. You know, uh, in the right matchup, Fuller can probably do more damage. That Chargers defense is pretty solid, though. Um, you know, they, they did get after um, Deshaun Watson a good bit. And for me, when, when I'm thinking about rostering Texans in DFS, it's it, my first my first question is, what does that defensive line look like? Because the Texans offensive line is still not very good. And Deshaun Watson, when he has to scramble for his life, can be great, but he can also have poor games like we saw uh, against Jacksonville. So, you know, uh, this this was a game I stayed away from him, given that I thought that the pass rush was going to give him trouble. He still managed to get it done. Um, but, you know, that's the gamble you take in a week that uh, he's he's got a, a, a challenge to, to elude defenders free rushing at him. In a mess of a situation in that Houston backfield between Duke Johnson and Carlos Hyde, do you feel comfortable starting either one of those guys right now? Nope. And uh, there was talk today that Bill O'Brien is interested in in bringing C.J. Anderson in. Um, Great. Bill O'Brien should get fired into the sun. (laughs) Yes, that would be redonkulous. Yeah. uh, You know, why did you trade a third-round pick for Duke Johnson? a third round pick as a running back is, is one of the top running backs in the draft. <laughs> you're, you, you know, so you either should be using Duke Johnson in, in either the passing game heavily or as a running back traditionally for what you paid for him. I get the, you know, you got to preserve him a little bit and Carlos Hyde should have his role, but you know, it, it's, it's been a head scratcher and, and Bill O'Brien, uh, hopefully the Texans are awful this season and we get rid of Bill O'Brien because them, 
having a great year last year just extended his tenure and and was the worst thing that could happen for Texans football. Yeah, that was really, really bad. Uh, Lastly here, Keenan Allen was a machine. Austin Eckler had a good game, but uh, Jackson had a nice game as well. Five carries, 26 yards, and had four catches. Uh, Do you feel like it's almost time to like flex out some Justin Jackson, or are we still kind of staying away from that? I I mean, this week, given that they're playing the Dolphins, I don't hate it. They they may look to ease up on Eckler a little bit because he's he's worn down in in prior years uh, with you know usage nowhere near what he's getting right now. They they could just say you know it's Justin Jackson's second half. Uh, Austin Eckler, you know, grab grab a grab a towel and and enjoy the view. Um, So. But you know it's uh, it's they're gonna traditionally they're, typically they're gonna want that to look like a two to one uh, split and Eckler's Eckler's a very talented back um, yeah. and you know even when Gordon comes back I think he's earned a bigger role. Yeah, I'm with you. I think Eckler's gonna be just fine, so I'm good there. Let's go to Sunday Night Football: Rams, Browns. Rams moved to three and zero with a twenty to thirteen victory. The Browns play calling atrocious. The Browns offensive line atrocious. It was mm-hmm. hard to watch this because people are clowning on Baker and I get part of the clowning, but at the same time you try doing what he's trying to deal with right now. It was bad, really, really bad. Uh, Nick Chubb got a healthy workload. That was good to see, but overall what's your comfort level with starting these Browns players in these situations that they're in right now? Yeah. I mean, Chubb has looked pretty good and he's, and he's playing nearly every snap. So, you know, that's a good thing for any running back. Uh, Odell Beckham showed two weeks ago how explosive he was. Uh, that is always in play. But, yeah, the offensive line, like, they went from being one of the better offensive lines in football to being one of the worst offensive lines in football. They they traded, you know, a really good guard to the Giants. Uh, they brought Greg Robinson in at left tackle um, for some reason. I He's big. I don't I don't get it. Um you know they're 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 in trouble uh, on that offensive line, and that team uh, it can't afford that. So, um, you know, if Baker is uh, continuing to to kind of have to play in this style that a lot of people are are starting to talk that you know he's the 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 next Ryan Fitzpatrick. You know that's a good and bad thing. It, it can be good some weeks and it can be awful some weeks. So, um, you know, he forces the ball a little more than he should. Yeah, no, he does try to force it quite a bit, and uh, they need to get some play calling figured out big time there. It's it's a uh, it's bad deal with Cleveland. The Rams, we've we've said it before on the road, they're not the same Rams team, but they get the job done. But my concern is Cooks and Cup have been great pretty much every game. In the years mm-hmm. past, Woods still had a very good role. He's getting targets, but the catches are not there. And then Todd Gurley's workload, it is like they are seriously making a point to keep him off the field and rested and Malcolm Brown and company's getting theirs. What's your concerns with Todd Gurley and Robert Woods? If you own them right now. Yeah. Gurley actually had a decent role this game. He just didn't score any touchdowns. He played a high percentage of snaps, um, which is a good sign. I I think they are slowly working him back into that offense to, it's not going to be his, his 2018 levels, but uh, he's, he's being more involved, especially as the games are closer Better things are ahead for this offense at home. They've been on the road twice. Um, that's it. That was the case last year. Uh, and a lot of it has to do with crowd noise and when Sean McVay can can radio in to, to uh, Jared Goff what to do um, as, as the play clock winds down, and that's easier to do at home. Yeah, no doubt about it. That definitely helps at home. 
in that one. All right, let's move to Monday night football, that wonderful football game we got to watch last <laughs> night with the Bears and the Redskins. If you are a, a David Montgomery owner, what are you doing? I got no clue, man. It's uh, it's not great. I, I think you have to realize that he is talented. He has shown flashes at, at points with the limited work and just hope that Matt Nagy sees that too. Uh, you know, they, they want to play defense and, and run the ball to some extent. Uh, Trubinsky, despite scoring three touchdowns, didn't look all that great. You know, his two, his first two touchdowns to Taylor Gabriel were gimmies to a wide open receiver, just good play calling. Um, you know, his third touchdown to Gabriel was a nice throw on the run without his feet set. I'll give him that, but he still really can't throw to his left. Uh, he throws interceptions. He can scramble, but gets himself into trouble with that at times. Um, you know, their, their best option is to kind of limit his, his role, you know, he, he's the new Blake Bortles. So uh, if they can run the ball, uh, that's their, their better path to victory. <laughs> yeah, no doubt about it. That'd be the much better path to victory. Uh, you mentioned Gabriel, big game. Uh, Robinson got his, is what it is. Let's go to the, the Redskins side of things, though. Chris Thompson's getting a very solid workload like you'd expect in a passing attack. He's very PPR relevant. Mm-hmm. McLaren's just been a monster week in and week out. And then yeah. Richardson, nine targets, eight for 83 and a score, doing a lot of work out of the slot this game. Uh, he he kind of took Trey Quinn's role, even though Trey had seven targets, five for 30. Yeah. What are you looking at here is like Thompson, McLaurin, Richardson, are they all in play, some in play? They're going to be playing from behind a lot and having to wing it around. So there's going to be options there. Yeah, I mean, if they're willing to keep taking shots to McLaurin when they're trailing, that's, that's a great spot. Uh, you watch him – get even with players in the secondary and then watch him hit that sixth gear and just pull away. Like, like very few pl- people in the NFL can do, um, you know, that, that is a, a very rare skill. Uh, and it's, it's gonna continue to be very useful, um, in, in trailing game scripts. So, um, I'm, I'm probably going to play him this week along with everyone else, but you know, that's, a we're looking at a pretty chalky, uh, a pretty chalky DFS tree this week. You're using Daniel Jones at quarterback, McLaurin at wide receiver, Will Disley at tight end. <laughs> We're going to be playing the, I guess, five on five. Yeah, there's a lot of chalk out there, but it, when you really, really dig in, there's some very interesting pivots. So, and it'll be fun to see how it works. It's just the chalk, like you, like you're insinuating, just looks way too good to be true. Like it's really hard yeah. to pass up the price per dollars you're about to yeah. to get going there. Uh, price points per dollar, I guess, that you're going to be getting there. So we'll see as the week goes on, injury news comes out, and even more chalk probably shows up into the equation and makes it more interesting. Well, that'll wrap us up for this week's recap of the fantasy football action. Mike, before we go, again, thanks for joining me. And uh, plug away. Let everybody know where they can find you. Yeah, like I mentioned earlier, you can get me on Twitter at Roto underscore Juan. Uh, You can catch my Fantasy Alarm articles, Wednesdays, RB Workload, as well as some MMA stuff on the weekends. And then uh, over at Razzball, uh, I do baseball and football. Baseball's ending. Football, you can do propagating. Um, the link will be up on usually Fridays. You can uh, you can jump in, take your shot at the props, see if you can do better than 5 out of 10, which uh, it's usually pretty hard to do. Yes, it's a, it's, it's a crazy tricky, crazy, crazy tricky. But again, Mike, thanks for joining me. Everybody go check him out on Twitter at Roto underscore Juan. Always good stuff over there from Mike Alexander. 
But until next time, this was Benched with Bubba, episode 213, recapping your fantasy football week three action, looking ahead to week four. Catch you guys later. policy from American Family Insurance because you'll feel protected no matter how the wind blows. Also, you can keep enjoying the home of your dreams. And our expert agents can help you save up to 23% when you bundle home with auto. Insure carefully, dream fearlessly. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.